Good evening, good evening, good evening. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Tonight's topic, the title of tonight's lesson is The People Sin Against God. The lesson text is from Exodus 32, 1 through 14. The golden text reads, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek after thee. Psalms 9, 10. As we go over the lesson tonight, we see how the children of Israel conducted themselves when they saw that Moses was gone. For 39 days, coming up on 40 days. They got beside themselves, got impatient, and felt like he wasn't coming back. But they didn't know the amount of time that God had ordained for Moses to be in his presence. Giving him what he needed to come and instruct the people. We can't rush God. But that's what the children of Israel tried to do. They tried to rush God, but what they forgot, they had just got out of bondage from 400 years. You mean after you've been in bondage that long, you couldn't wait 40 days upon Moses' return? We know that through all throughout the Bible that God completes work in 40 days. To him, that's his perfect cycle. He takes it from the beginning to the end so that he can start it anew. So the people gathered themselves together and they came to Aaron and told him. I could practically see them demanding him, make us a God. Who can go before us? Because as this man, Moses, he brought us out of Egypt just to leave us out here. But we don't even know what happened to him. He ain't came back. He ain't said nothing. We ain't seen him. We ain't heard no word from him. Joshua ain't said nothing. He's still up there too. So for all we know, they could be dead already. Because they didn't take no food. They didn't take no water. And ain't no true shelter on that mountain. But little do they know, they forgot who their God was. Who they true and living God was. But they wanted what they wanted. They wanted it how they wanted it. And they didn't care. About what nobody else thought. Even though they had just promised God. That they was going to follow his laws and his commands. And that they was going to do everything. That he had asked them to do. But that's not what happened. But what did Aaron do? He told him, break off your golden earrings that you got in your ears, that your wives got, that your sons got, that your daughters have, and bring them on to me. We don't know why he said what he said. Instead of being man enough, a true man of God and say, now y'all know, God just gave us this command. And he said... 
He is a jealous God that we should not worship no other God besides him. But then if we flip the coin on the other side, we could take it as if Aaron was saying, give me your gold that you got, knowing how they treasure their gold. He was thinking that they wouldn't want to give up their gold. But sometimes the thing that you feel that people will not do is the thing that they do do. But Aaron shouldn't have gave them that ultimatum. He should have stood firm and said, no, we're not doing this. God said that we shall have no other God but him. That we should put no other gods in his place. Because we don't have that authority. We don't have that say so. And we can't perform no miracles. That should have been what Aaron had said. But it wasn't. So what did the people do? They took off all their gold. And brought it to Aaron. So now it comes down to the real truth of the matter. Is Aaron going to be a man of God? Or is he going to be a man of the people? Want to please the people? God can't use people pleasers. Because they go about things their own way. Instead of doing it God's way. Especially when he's already instructed how he wants it to be done. But they did it anyway. And so Aaron took the gold. And what did he say? I fashioned it with a graven tool. That's a tool that you fashion hot gold with. Into whatever mold and shape that you desire it to be. And he said that he will make it a molten calf. And they can say that yes. This is our God. This is who brought us up out of Egypt. A golden calf back in those days was supposed to have been a fertility God. Now, how can a fertility God deliver you out of slavery? Part the Red Sea. Rain down manna. Give you quail. Give you everything your heart desires. I didn't know a fertility God could do that. When we look up what fertility is, it's somebody who want to have a baby. So how can a God that could bless your womb, as you can say, be able to do all those miracles and wonders right before your eyes? And provide for you the way that your true God has. It's not possible. And then once Aaron finished it. He thought he had did a good job. Because what did he say? Let's build it an altar. And tomorrow. We'll make a feast. Before the, the Lord. That's not no Lord. That's an idol. And God said for us not to have any idols. That that's a sin. And a sin that we have committed against him. But the children of Israel 
They didn't care nothing about that. They needed them a physical God. One that they can see. One that they can touch. One that they can feel. Because they depended on Moses so much. Because he always went to God on their behalf. So they never learned how to truly go to God for themselves. So that they could experience him for themselves. So they could feel his love and his warm embrace. His wisdom and knowledge that he bestow upon them. His grace and his mercy, his blessings and favor. But they didn't experience that. Because they never tried to truly know God in that way. They knew who God was. They know what God did on their behalf. But they did not have that true intimate relationship with God. And God wants us to have a true, intimate, pure relationship with him. So the people rose up early the next day. They offered burnt offerings. They brought peace offerings. And then they sat down to eat, drink, and play. That means they was having them a jolly good old time. And that's not what God wanted them to do. Because that's what the sinful people who were not considered God's peculiar treasure did. They watched them. But God told them, my children don't do this. They don't participate in such activities as this. Because their bodies is a temple. And it belongs to me. And I don't give you the authority, the choice of the will to do any of those things that you was doing with my temple where I come and dwell. But the Israelites, his naughty children, they just did it anyway. They just took it up on themselves and made their own God, celebrated him. But that God had never done anything because they just created him the day before. So how could he? And the Lord saw all this. He felt all this. He knew this. This pierced him to his core. Because these are the children that he truly loved. So then he turns to Moses. Moses, it's time for you to get down from here now. For the people, my people, the people that you didn't brought up out of Egypt, they have corrupted themselves. They have went against my command. They have truly sinned against me. Their God, their true and living God, they provider, they way maker, they deliverer, they restorer, their healer. I am the great I am. They're all in all. But they didn't care nothing about that. They turned away from God because Moses was absent for 40 days. 40 days is nothing. 40 days is almost just enough time to you to truly form a habit. 
you have to constantly do something in order for it to become second nature. But those 40 days was too much for the Israelites. They couldn't wait. They didn't have no patience. So they made them a golden calf. They worshiped it. They sacrificed to it. And then on top of that, they said, this is our God that has brought us up out of Egypt. Could you imagine how that slap in the face made God feel? Could my children honestly be doing this when they know better? When they know deep down in their hearts and souls that it was me who done this. Not nobody else. Not nothing else. And definitely not a golden calf. So the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people. And they are stiff-necked people. Stiff-necked. That's how he described them. Haughty. Stubborn. Going above and beyond to prove their point. Argumentative. Being antagonizing. Doing stuff that they know they should not be doing. And the Lord saw it. And he was not pleased. He was not happy. He was outraged. At the mere fact that they could even do that. Say that. Think that. And then on top of that, celebrate that. That means that they didn't have that much faith in God. Because God is on his own timetable. He's not on our timetable. We wait on him. He molds and shapes us. He directs us. He always gives us the right thing to do. And he tells us not to lean onto our own understanding because it will lead us astray. And the Israelites definitely let their own understanding lead them astray. But what God said next, he said, let me alone, Moses. I need to be by myself because I'm about to rain my wrath down on them because I am wax hot against them and what they have done. How they have turned their backs toward me, their hearts toward me, their minds toward me. Their faith toward me. Their souls toward me. They act like I'm nothing. But I'm about to show them now. So I'm about to just get rid of them. When he said wax, that means he was growing in intensity. With rage and anger. That he was ready to destroy each and every one of them. And start anew. And they know that this ain't the first time. Because his children sinned. And wouldn't turn from their wicked ways. So he wanted to make him another great nation. 
who would truly and fully obey him, trust him, follow him, love him, revere him, fear him, not in a fearful way that you scared of him, but fearful of doing wrong toward him. That's what God is looking for. And he going to keep searching until he finds what he's looking for. And he is knocking at our doors asking, is it you? But Moses had to catch him. My Lord, why do thy wrath wax hot against thy people that you have brought forth? Out of the land of Egypt, which your great power and your mighty hand that only you can do. You don't want to do this. This not what you saved them for. This not what you delivered them for. And then you say, what everybody else going to say? The Lord delivered them, but since they was cutting up out there, he struck them down. He might as well left them where they was. Eventually they would have died off. Moses didn't want no ill will, no negative talk, no negative images to be associated with his God. But not only just that, he stood up for the people. Moses loved the Israelites just as much as God did. And God constantly tests us. He tests our hearts. He tests our minds. He tests our souls. He tests our spirit. He tests our giving. He tests our loving. Because he want to make sure that you constantly remain in your right place. Humble. Meek. Not boastful. Not proud. Not arrogant. Because he want to know that you are still usable. And that you can still be of service to him. And Moses passed his test. He didn't want the Lord to start over. Because if the Lord started over, that means that he just broke his promise. And God don't break promises. He is not a man that can tell a lie. When he said... It is so and so it is. It is done. It is written in concrete. And not this regular old concrete that they make our roads with. That crack all up. Break all up. Get potholes in it. God's concrete is solid. And he is the only one who can change it. No man. No weapon. No evilness. No chaos. Can change what God has ordained. And we have to know that. And Moses knew that. Because he loved his God. He worshipped his God. He made sure that his God always got the glory, the honor, and the praise. Not just from the Israelites, but from everybody who was around. And he wanted them to know that his God reigned supreme above all. No matter what other gods they had in their life, he was the true and living God.
And Moses wanted God to maintain that image. So he asked him. Do you want the Egyptians to speak negative about you? Do you want them to have crazy stuff to say? To say that you ain't no better than none of the other gods that we have? I know you don't want that. We see you in a positive light. As a loving father. As a caring father. One who provides for his kids. Who is always there for his kids. Never forsaking his kids or turning his back on them. We know you go quiet sometimes. But that's okay. Because we know you still there. With us every step of the way. So I'm asking you father. Turn away from your anger. Turn away from your wrath. Repent of this evil thing. Because you set an example for us. And we want to continue to follow that example. We don't want to do evil. Because we know our God does no evil. Especially against his people. So remember our forefathers, please. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And your peculiar treasure, the children of Israel, your servants, who you sworn to yourself, you made them your own. You said that they was your peculiar treasure. You said how special they were to you, what they meant to you above and beyond all things. And you promised our forefathers That you would multiply our seeds. That you would give us our inheritance. The land of Canaan. Flowing with milk and honey. This is a promise that you gave to your people. You are not a promise breaker. And we know you not. And that's what we hold tight to. Don't take that away, Father. Please don't take that away. And at Moses' cry and his plea for the people, what did God do? He repented of what he said because he was well pleased with his servant Moses. That Moses didn't get beside himself and say, well, they deserve it anyway. They knew they wasn't supposed to be doing that. They chose to sin against you. So whatever their punishment is, that's what their punishment is. But that's not what Moses did. Moses stood in the gap for them, even though that they was wrong. He asked for another chance on their behalf. That's how much he had grown to love his people. Because in the beginning, he didn't even know that he was an Israelite. But when he found out, He loved his people deeply with every fiber of his being. And that's how he got put in position to lead the people, to deliver the people, to be their messenger, 
going back and forth up to God, bringing them back what God has said, what he desires for them to do, being anointed by God. And God was well pleased with him. And we all want God to be well pleased with us. And we have to make sure that we stay within his grace. The golden text says, and they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. For thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. We are God's children. And we know when he sent his son as a sacrifice for us, he told us that the name of Jesus is a strong tower. And when you call up on that name, he will hear you and he will deliver you from whatever is trying to overtake you, overthrow you, overshadow you. And make you feel unworthy. Make you feel that God doesn't care. The name of Jesus. Shields us. It protects us. It covers us. It delivers us. It heals us. But most of all. It fights for us. The battle is not ours. It is the Lord's. Because when you seek him, truly seeking him and turn away from your wicked ways and keep your focus, your gaze, your heart, your mind and your soul on him. You will find him. He will reach out to you and grab you and pull you from wherever you are. Pull you into his warm embrace. Pull you into his love. Pull you into his peace. His grace, his mercy, his forgiveness. But most of all, pull you into himself. And there's no better place to be than in the arms of the Lord. So we have to remember, Moses loved what God loved. The children made a mistake. All the people sinned. Because nobody stepped up and said to the people, what y'all doing? We can't do this. We already agreed that we would not do this. But since nobody stepped up and said anything, did anything, or tried to put a stop to it, it made them all guilty. And we all guilty of something. It may not look the same. It may not feel the same. And we may not be going through the same things. But we have to turn to God. Giving our whole selves, our whole being to him. Surrendering our all. And if you don't know what surrendering your all is. Surrendering your all 
is giving up everything that is of you. You can't focus on what you want, how you want it, when you want it. You have to focus on what God wants, how he wants it, when he wants it. That's surrendering your all. Moses didn't want nobody else to see God any differently. He wanted him to be viewed in all his splendor, all his might, all his power. In no negative way. Even though bad things happen in our lives. Even though we get sick. Even though our funds get low. Even though our mates hurt us. Our kids cut up. That don't mean that God doesn't love you. That don't mean that God can't use you. That don't mean that God has turned away from you. That don't mean that God has become an evil God because he mad and he putting his wrath down on you. Because that's not the type of God we serve. But on top of that, we don't have the authority to rush God. God going to take his time doing what God does because God does it best. And we have to respect that. We have to learn patience. But while we waiting, get prepared for what you asking God for. And you know exactly what that means. Because what we asking God for looks different for each and every one of us. You can't just sit down twiddling your thumbs waiting on God. Because at the same time, God waiting on you to see how much you really want it. So we have to know that God constantly tests us so that we remain humble in our minds, in our hearts, and in our souls. Because he wants us to remain in our rightful places all the days of our lives. He don't want us going down roads that we shouldn't go. He told us, don't go to the left, don't go to the right. Focused on what's ahead. Learning from what's behind and not turning back. That's what God is asking us. The Israelites went about things the wrong way. They always allowed Moses to be their mouthpiece. To speak on their behalf. To ask for what they should have been asking God for themselves. And we know what a substitute is. A substitute is a watered down version of the real thing. And that's what they accepted in their lives. But can nobody go to God but you and ask for what you need with real sincerity that's heartfelt with passion but yourself because that's your pain that's your illness that's your hurt that's your regret that's your shame no matter what it is 
that's got a hold of you, it belongs to you. And can nobody go before God on your behalf better than you. That's why God wants an intimate relationship with each and every one of us. And we have to know. People will surprise you. Because the thing that you believe they wouldn't do. They wouldn't say. The places they wouldn't go. Before you know it, at a blink of an eye, they'll be doing it. And then you'll look at them in a whole nother different light. And we're not supposed to place our trust in people. Of course, God used people. But our trust lies within God. And if you think that God sent that person to you. And they do something that doesn't be in line with God that goes against God. You need to be on your knees asking God, okay, why did you send this person in my life? Are they to help me or to hinder me? I need your wisdom, knowledge, understanding, clarity, and discernment on this matter, Father, because I don't want to make a mistake. And I don't want to let nobody else lead me astray. Because they don't have to answer for my actions. I have to answer for my own actions. So we have to come to God for ourselves, knowing who he is and what he represents in our lives. But most of all, we have to celebrate what God has already done in our lives on our behalf, realizing that you had not reached the destination where the blessing is, where the healing is, where the favor is, where the deliverance is, where the restoration is. Because we haven't allowed God to do his work in us. So keep praying. Keep asking. Keep keeping your trust and faith in God. But keep standing firm on his word. Because we serve a God that does not lie. And if he said that he had it for you, he has it for you. But he needs you to be prepared for it. He needs you to be in your rightful place. And that's how you get everything that God has for you. It is already done. But it's up to you to make haste in that direction. Doing the right thing. Following God's word. Following his direction. Let him prepare you. Let him mold and shape you. Let him prune you. So don't just look at it as a negative thing. Because God is waiting for you. And the blessings that he say he has for you is waiting for you as well. And we do not want to sin against God. Not today. Not tomorrow. 
knowing our future. We want to please our Father. Because when our judgment day comes, we want him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love you. I've been waiting for you. Thank you for your time, your attention, your focus, and your dedication as we go forth in this lesson tonight. You all have a blessed night. And God loves you.